Good morning again. We are going to be in Jeremiah chapter 2 this morning. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 13, continuing on in our study of this book. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord. I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of the harvest. All who ate of it incurred guilt. Disaster came upon them, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the clans of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, what wrong did your fathers find in me? that they went far from me and went after worthlessness and became worthless. They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness, in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that none passes through where no man dwells? And I brought you into a plentiful land to enjoy its fruits and its good things. But when you came in, you defiled my land, and my heritage, and abomination. The priest did not say, where's the Lord? Those who handled the law did not know me. The shepherds transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things that do not profit. Therefore, I still contend with you, declares the Lord, and with your children's children, I will contend for the cross. For cross to the coasts of Cyprus and see, or send to Kedar and examine with care. See, if there has ever been such a thing, has a nation changed its gods, even though, the, even though they are not gods, but my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked and be utterly desolate, declares the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken sisters, cisterns that can hold no water. This is the word of God. You can be seated. Father, I pray that you would please help us as we look into your word today. Lord, guide us in paths of righteousness for your namesake. Lord, lead us in the way everlasting. I pray that you would please cause your word to be so clear to us. I, I will ask now, as the psalmist did long ago, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your word. And Lord, I pray that you would please use your spirit, that he would guide us into all truth. Lord Jesus, you said that he would. You said when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So Lord, please give us grace then as well to walk in this truth. We pray all this in Jesus' perfect name. Amen. Have you ever heard of maybe an incident or heard of some kind of happening or heard of some choice that someone made and said the phrase something like, why in the world would he do that? Or said something like, well, that just makes no sense at all. Or said something like, usually our favorite, well, that was just dumb. Have you ever said something like that? you ever thought phrases like that? Probably. Maybe even about your own past choices. You know, it's interesting. That's almost what's going on here in this section. It's almost like that. We read this, and the prophet is even saying to them, have you ever heard of anything like this? Isn't this foolish? 
that they would do this. That's why I've titled the message this morning, A Horrible, Senseless, and Foolish Crime. A Horrible, Senseless, and Foolish Crime. Because that's essentially how it's being laid out here, almost like a court case. Because, and it starts off, I don't know if you noticed this, between verses 2 and verses 8, we get this pattern. Verses 2 and 3 talks about what God did. Verse 5, what the people did. And then verse 6, what the people didn't do. Then we get it again. Verse 7, the start of it, what God did. Second part of verse 7, what the people did. And then verses 8, well, verse 8, the first and second portion, what the people didn't do. So what God did, what the people did, what the people didn't do. What God did, what the people did, what the people didn't do. We get this pattern, laying it out almost like it's a court case. Because as you saw, that's really what he's saying, isn't he? Look what, look what I did. Look what they did. Look what they didn't do. And have you ever heard of such a thing? And then he ends with this example of a flowing fountain, but people trying to do something themselves, hewing out broken cisterns that can hold no water, which we're going to get to at the end, because that's really the, the thrust of this section. Chapter 1. As you might recall, we see the prophet is called by God. We see that he thinks he's inadequate for these things. And two different times it's repeated that the Lord says, says, but I will be with you. And that's what he's supposed to base his success upon. It's not him looking at himself like he did and saying how inadequate he was. Or him looking at the people and saying how scary they are. Each time God says, but I'll be with you, that's going to be your success as you go out and do this. And so now what we get in chapter 2, now the prophet preaches. And he only preaches what the Lord tells him to say. Did you notice that? The word of the Lord came to me saying, Go and proclaim in the hearing of the people of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord. And then again, in verse 4, he says, Hear the word of who? The Lord, O house of Israel. A preacher is worth less unless he's preaching the word of God. A preacher has no business preaching his own opinions, philosophies of the world, or the traditions of man. Enough of those, right? We don't need any more of that. The world is flooded with preachers like that. The airwaves are flooded with preachers like that. The TV is flooded with preachers like that. And how's that working out for us? As a nation. We only want preachers like Jeremiah who are going to stand up and says, thus says the Lord. And so that's why you get a healthy dose of his word every Sunday. I, with God's help, will only ever feed you a healthy dose of the only food God's given me to feed his sheep. And that's the word of God. And so we see, thank the Lord, Jeremiah starting off just right. The prophet preaches the only message he should be preaching, and that's the word of God. Praise God for that. 
He says, go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, basically the capital. Go and proclaim in their hearing. So this is not an average gathering of the people. This is something like what we would call a street preacher. I mean, get the picture here. The Lord tells him maybe that morning, maybe the evening before, this is what you're going to say. This is where you're going to say it. And he has to simply walk through crowds of people, maybe find a spot that looks like, well, I guess I can stand up here and then start saying it. He doesn't know what the outcome is going to be. He knows he's basically saying to everyone, you're wrong. The end. <laughs> I mean, that's, his, that's how it starts, basically. This is your crime. This is what God's done for you. This is what you've done in response. This is what the Lord told me to say. <laughs> Imagine that. The intrepidation, perhaps. The fear. What we all struggle with, the what-ifs. It's very, very often, very common for the Lord to not tell you what might happen and what might not happen. Does he? Has anyone of you ever heard the Lord moving you to do X, Y, or Z, and then him saying also, by the way, if this happens, this is what you'll do. And if this happens, this is what I want you to do. And if this happens, this is what I want you to do. No, I've never gotten it like that. Usually it's just a moving of the Spirit saying, go say this to this person. Go help this person with this. Go give this money to this person. Say this to this person. And it's never, and if he says this, that's bad. So run really fast. <laughs> it's not, nothing like that ever. I'm the one that muddies it up usually with all the, well, what if, the, well, what if, well, what if. What do we see here? A man walking in obedience. God tells him go, and he goes. God tells him speak, and he speaks. I love that. I love that. Let's be like that. He didn't worry about the what ifs, or he didn't worry about them enough that it froze him with fear that he didn't act at all. He's proclaiming in the hearing of Jerusalem like a street preacher. I can recall years ago when we were missionaries, there was a central park in town, very small town. The buses went by that park. A lot of the commerce and little tiendas were all set up around that park. And so it was a prime spot to get people's attention. People could just go there and set up booths and sell things. It didn't matter to the government, the officials. They didn't care. It was sort of like free space. You could do whatever you wanted to there with reason. And I remember the Lord moving me again and again and again. Cohen, go preach there. Like, like, like just, just, just preach? Yeah, just go preach there. Well, what do you, I mean, how's that going to look? What, is it, what do you, I mean? So I remember <laughs> one day I went there and I saw a bench that no one was sitting on. And I thought, well, that looks like a good pulpit I could use. Stood up and preached. And guess what? Thousands came to Jesus. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> no. You know what? From my sight, 
nothing happened. I obeyed the Lord. Nobody came up to me afterwards and said, oh my gosh, you, you're so eloquent of speech. I want to know Jesus right now. No, I didn't get that. Of course, I hope for that. But what I also didn't get was no one throwing anything at me, spitting at me. I didn't get that. Some people haven't been so fortunate. I simply obeyed. And guess what? Afterwards, guess what? I lived. I didn't die. You kind of think, oh, someone's going to come up, you, come up to you and just beat you up or something like that. No, I walked in obedience to something that was very fearful, and God helped me. God helped me. That's a message to you as well. Is the Lord ever stirring you to, to do something that in your flesh fears, feels fearful? Let me tell you and just encourage you, walk in obedience. Jeremiah did it. Thank God he did it. Look what he says. God sang through the prophet to the people in his hearing, his people, the people of Israel. I remember, God saying, I remember the devotion of your youth. I remember long ago when you were all in love with me. And what's he say then? Your love as a bride. He uses marriage language now, like a marriage covenant. I remember when we were first married, as it were. Oh, you were so devoted to me. You loved me. When you looked at me, you just longed to be with me. I remember that. How you followed me in the wilderness. Like a faithful bride follows the husband as, a, as the leader of the home, when he's leading as he should, she follows him. She trusts him. And God led them in the wilderness, in a land not sown, Israel was holy to the Lord. Now, if you don't know, this is a very important phrase. As soon as I saw it, I was like, I know what he's talking about. I know what that means. Look at Exodus 28, verses 36 through 39. Because this phrase, Israel is holy to the Lord, that phrase is very important. This is the first time we see it in Scripture, and this is what it refers to. The vestments of the high priest. Aaron, the first high priest. His vestments contained a certain very special portion that you would see as soon as you looked at him. You shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet, holy to the Lord. And you shall fasten it on the turban by a cord of blue. It shall be on the front of the turban. It shall be on Aaron's forehead. And Aaron shall bear any guilt for the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate as their holy gifts. It shall regularly be on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. Here's a picture of what it might have looked like. This is just from online. So this is that golden plate in Hebrew inscribed, printed on there like a signet ring, holy to the Lord. That's why I said this would have been one of the first things you saw when you looked at him because it's gold and it's bright and it's bold and it's right on his forehead. And it's the gold plate that says, holy to the Lord. It's to represent that what the high priest does is holy to the Lord. Everything that he interacts, why is he even doing it? To be holy to the Lord. The people of Israel, when trusting in their high priest to do for them what they couldn't do for themselves, are holy to the Lord. Just like when we trust our high priest and everything that he's done for us, everything that we can't do for ourselves, Jesus took the punishment that should be ours. 
and he died, and he rose again from the dead, and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. And there's no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved than the name Jesus Christ. So when we're in him, we're also holy to the Lord. That's a foreign holiness. It doesn't come from us. It comes from our Lord Jesus Christ because he walked in perfect righteousness. And God's saying here about Israel, I remember, I remember when you were identified by holy to the Lord. I remember that. I remember it. You were the first fruits of the harvest. You were the best portion, that portion that the people of Israel are supposed to give back to God, the best, most mm, portion of the produce. That was to be for the Lord because it showed just how much you loved the Lord. And he said, not only were you like a wife to me who followed me and who loved me and who trusted me, I also, as your husband, protected you. That's what good husbands do. Good husbands are men that their wives can say to them, I trust you. I trust your judgment. And good husbands are also ones that protect their wives, stand up for their wives. Look at this. You were the first fruits of the harvest. All who ate of it incurred guilt. Disaster became, came upon them. So he's also saying, and I was a good, righteous husband. Anyone who messed with you, I messed with them. Anyone who came and tried to devour you, he talks about eating of that fruit. He says, I devoured them. And he's right. As they were walking through the wilderness, there were people that tried to come after them and get them. And God said, I don't think so. And fought against them. God's saying, I remember all that. I remember that. And now the good memories go away. Hear the word of the Lord. O house of Jacob and all the clans of the house of Israel. It's interesting because Jeremiah is actually a prophet to the southern kingdom, Judah. But here he actually, at the beginning of his ministry, he includes everybody. He says, listen, everybody, all. He says, all the clans of the house of Israel. Eventually, he's going to just focus it down on Judah, the southern kingdom. But now, this is for everybody. They're all guilty of this, all of them. Thus says the Lord, What wrong did your fathers find in me? But they went far from me and went after worthlessness and became worthless. It's just sad here, isn't it? It's just sad because God's basically saying, What wrong did I do? What did I do wrong? Why did you go after worthlessness and become worthless? Now, this is very important. Went after worthlessness and became worthless. Did you know this? This is important. Listen. You become like what you worship. Did you know that? It's true. It's so true. Think about it. You become like what you worship. Think about when you were young, certain people you idolized, certain stars or certain things like that. You wanted to dress like them? You wanted to talk like them? See, advertisers know this too. Advertisers know this really well. Let's get Michael Jordan to say that he likes Pepsi. So then all the people that idolize Michael Jordan will say, hey, I like Michael Jordan. I want to be like him. He drinks. He says he likes Pepsi. You know what they do? You know why they do that? They don't just say, let's get Michael Jordan, because isn't he just dashingly handsome? He'll just look good on the screen. It's just about aesthetics. No, it's not about that. They know people want to become like those people they idolize. Oh, this musician plays this guitar? i got to get one of those. Oh, 
This actor wears these kind of shoes. I need to get those shoes. We become like what we worship. We do. That's why you need to be very careful with your heart. Your heart's drawn to something. People that go all all over the globe and study different people groups, you know what they found about almost every single one of those people groups? There are like very few exceptions. But as they go along and they find people groups that maybe no other white people have ever, they've never even seen people from other countries and things like that. They they go and they find them. You know what they found out about them? They're religious. They have some kind of religious beliefs about something. You are programmed to worship something because you're made in the image of God. You are actually made to worship God. We, as humans, because we're so good at everything we get our hands on. Everything we get our hands on, we seem to just make it better, don't we? (laughs) No. Mankind will create a religion if he has not the truth yet. He'll create it. And you will create a God. You'll go after something. They went after worthlessness, therefore they became worthless. And the people had no good reason to forsake the Lord their God. He did nothing wrong. He can't be charged with any crime against his people. There's no fault in him. Verse 6. They did not say, where's the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt? who led us in the wilderness, in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that none passes through, where no man dwells. So he's saying the people didn't say, where's the Lord? The people didn't say, where's the Lord? And then he says that they didn't say all these great things that he had done either. Notice, notice he's saying, they're not searching for me. They're not recounting all the things I'd done. More about that in just a moment. But, you know, let's go ahead and talk about it now, actually. Because it's going to come up again later. But let's just go ahead and make the point now. So they didn't say, where's the Lord? Had they searched out the Lord, because when you're saying that phrase, where's the Lord? It implies searching for something, right? Just like if you say, where's my phone? You're going to then go looking for it. Had they searched out the Lord and his truth, had they remembered his ways, like he says here, where's the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, recounting his past deeds for them? Had they walked in accordance with what they also learned once they searched those things out, they would have had everything that they needed in order to fight the temptations of all the gods of the nations around them. Had they done those things, they would have found everything that, that they needed to fight the fight of faith. It's when they stopped asking, where's the Lord, that they got in trouble. Much like when you and I stop asking, where's my Bible? When you don't even have the thought of, where's my Bible? Because I want to read it. You wake up, I'm sure, and find your phone pretty quickly. You wake up and Find your keys pretty quickly. Why? Because you say, I need those things. It's when you stop saying, where's the Lord? It's when you stop saying, where's my Bible? 
that you'll also fall into what they did, forgetting his ways. When you stop looking for him, when you stop remembering his ways, when you stop remembering his character and what he's done and saturating ourselves with those things, it's when we get in trouble just like they did. Just like they did. That's when we find ourselves chasing after the world, following the lusts of the flesh and falling into the deceptions of the devil. I promise you. Think about those times when you fell into some gross, horrible sin. Because sometimes, even as a Christian, you can fall into some gross, horrible sin temporarily. Okay? It's if you fall into it for years and years and years. That's, I think, when you need to doubt your salvation um, or other salvation. But when we find ourselves chasing after the world, following the lust of the flesh, and succumbing to the deceptions of the wicked one, you've probably noticed that that's when you've also been forsaking the word. If you think back to those times. Were you in the word very much? No, I wasn't. How about in prayer? No. Were you missing church occasionally? Yeah, I wasn't making church a priority. Those things. Listen, forsake the word and you'll follow the world. And you taking notes, forsake the word and you'll follow the world. That's why he says, they did not say, where's the Lord? They did not remember what he did. Why? They forsook the Lord. They forsook his word. And they started following the lust of the flesh. They started looking at the neighboring countries and saying, ooh, look at their God. It's so big and shining. It's gold. Remember Egypt? You know, our grandparents told us that in Egypt they had gigantic statues, and they were gold too. Remember how powerful they were. Maybe if we get a statue like that, maybe we'll be big and powerful as well. Or how about this? Maybe you listen to what God says and do it God's way and get God's blessings. Maybe that, Israel. Because as we saw in the book of Judges, when we studied that months ago, remember the sin cycle they would go into? It happened that way again and again and again. And you want to read the book of Judges and say what I said at the beginning. Why would they do that? That's foolish. That's ridiculous. Aren't they learning from their mistakes? Not so much. Let's keep going. Because he's got more to say. He's not done. God says more. Listen to what else I did. Verse 7, I brought you into a plentiful land to enjoy its fruits and its good things. But when you came in, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. Anytime God uses that word abomination, it's really bad. It means he really hates it. And if you study that word abomination and see in the scriptures all the things that God calls an abomination, it's quite a lot of things. We tend to only like to kind of land on certain things. Like I had a friend come up to me once and he says, doesn't it say in the Bible that homosexuality is an abomination? And I said, yes, it does. He said, so that, I mean, that's like, it's really bad, right? And I said, absolutely. You know what he also says is an abomination? He said, what? I said, it also says dishonest gain is an abomination. Anytime you get something through some type of dishonesty, Fudge on your taxes a little bit. Maybe don't tell 
the cash register that, oh, she forgot to scan that. Look at your receipt and say, ooh, look, she didn't scan that. Yay, us. That's also an abomination because it's dishonest gain. And he's saying what they're doing here, these idols, you've, it's an abomination. You've destroyed this heritage that I gave you. You polluted it. I gave you such good land. A land flowing with milk and honey. I just gave it to you. And you polluted it with worthless idols. Earlier, he mentioned the people didn't say, where's the Lord? Now, now let's look. Who else is not saying, where's the Lord? Verse 8, the priests. (laughs) You know what their job is, right? (laughs) You're thinking, yeah, to do priestly things. Their job is to work in the temple. Their job is to be those ones that mediate between the people and God. That's their job. And even they are not saying, where's the Lord? Even they are not saying, where's my Bible? Verse 6, I mean verse 8, goes on to say, Those who handle the law did not know me. The shepherds, those who lead, like me, transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things they do not profit. So he's now not just talking about the people in general, the priests, the shepherds, the prophets. All of them were corrupt because all of them had gone after the things of the world, the flesh, and fallen into the deceptions of the devil. Why? Because they got away from the word. Really, that was it. They got away from the word. None of them are saying, where's the Lord? None of them are saying, where's my Bible? None of them are saying that. And so it led to their downfall. I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you as someone who loves you and cares about you, this is your life. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You don't feed yourself in this, and you will struggle. You will fall into the things of the world. Are you struggling now, perhaps? Maybe you are. I've been there, too. I struggle, too. Cohen Ezel struggles and falls into things he shouldn't, too. What I've noticed about those times is I've been weak in the Word. I've not fed myself the food that I need to fight that fight. I've done these endurance races in the past. And the longest one I've ever done, I don't know if you guys, it was over 30 miles. It took me 11 hours to finish it. You've got to take a lot of food with you on those. You've got to carry it in your pack. You've got to have what they call a camelback where you're constantly taking in nutrients. And if you don't, you will not finish that race. I'm telling you right now, someone will find you on the ground saying, water about halfway through with your legs all curled up in cramps I've been on those races I always take extra food I never know what's going to happen and I found people about halfway through the race walking slowly hurting just looking like someone ran over their puppy and they're just downcast in their face and I think I know that look because I've been there and just start these endurance races, doing them all perfectly well. And I've come along that guy. I came along a guy once, and I said, I know that look. Are you hungry? He said, yeah, man. <laughs> I said, did you bring any food? No. <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, that was your first mistake. 
You didn't bring food. That's why you're struggling. You didn't feed yourself. And so guess what? I unzip my bag and I hand him something. And to him, I look like, ah, oh, the Savior. And he gobbles it down faster than anyone you've ever seen. And then I saw him later on towards the end of the race. And guess what he looked like again? Downtrodden, like someone ran over his puppy. And I had, still had more food. I saw him again. He was like, hey, man, thanks so much for helping me out earlier. I said, you need more? I've got more. Do you? <laughs> yes, here you go. And what a good example, too, for us when we're in hard times. Maybe we're not in the scriptures as we ought to be. And a Christian or brother or sister who is in the word often comes beside us and say, says, hey, you're struggling with sin. First of all, stop being an idiot. And now let me encourage you. Here's some food. Because guess what? I fed myself this morning. Here's a scripture that encourages me this morning. And we help that person. Sometimes you're the one hurting. Sometimes you're the one that's fed, right? That's why we need the body. That's why it's such a shame when we miss church. You're missing a blessing. We're meant to help each other. We're meant to help each other and not shoot our wounded, okay? We help each other, right? These people had stopped feeding themselves the word of God. So guess what? They went after the things of the world. They were weak. And they saw something shiny over there in Assyria. And they said, let's, let's go after that. Surely that will feed us. Didn't work out well. Verse 9, therefore I, I still contend with you, declares the Lord. And with your children's children I will contend. You, you pass on a curse or a blessing to relatives you may never meet. I had two sets of grandparents that were both godly. Thank the Lord, both of them were godly. Thank the Lord, they were married for each other, with each other for over 50 years. Each of them had a godly home, a stable home, no drama, no cussing, no alcoholics, no smoking, no, none of this just foolishness in their home. It was stable, healthy environment. Perfect? No. Good and godly? Yes. Both sets of grandparents. And in the home I grew up in, no divorce, no drama, no alcoholics. Perfect? No, but good and godly. And now guess what? I now, with God's help, because trust me, <laughs> if God didn't save this fool, it wouldn't have been the same situation. But now in our home, guess what? Stable, no drama, married for over 20 years. And again, this is all only because of God's grace. Again, now creating in our home a stable environment. Passing on blessings. My grandparents will never meet their great, great, great grandchildren. They won't. I only have one grandparent left who's going to be with Jesus probably within the next five years, more than likely. And she won't get to meet their children. But she passed on a blessing to them. God's contending even with their children's children because of their sins. Amen. And he says this in verse 10. Listen, go to Cyprus. Go to Kedar. You'll never hear this. Cyprus, her in my hand is Israel, okay? Mediterranean Sea is all right here. 
up here is this little island called Cyprus, okay? Up here in the north. Way down here, closer to Egypt, is a little town called, well, it's big, called Kedar. So basically it says, hey, go way far north and go way far, th- far south. You'll never hear of this foolishness. Listen to this foolishness I'm about to tell you about. This is a horrible crime. Listen to what I'm telling you. Verse 11, has a nation changed its gods? Even though they are no gods, he's saying that they're not really gods. It's just what y'all call them. It's just wood with gold on the outside. But my people have changed their glory. God was their glory. For that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. He does something like this in the book of Isaiah as well. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children I have reared and brought up, they have rebelled against me. So he's, he's calling the heavens to be witnesses to this, too. He's saying, you know, even the heavens should be appalled at this. This is insane. This is one of those things that you hear about and you say, that's just dumb. That makes no sense. What were they thinking? Exchanging the glory of Yahweh for these idols? He says, let me paint a more clear picture. Let me give you something tangible that you actually know about. And this is really the thrust of the entire portion. He saves the best for the end. My people have committed two evils. God, what are those two evils? What are they, God? Number one, they've forsaken me. That's their first evil. They've turned away from God Almighty. Can you think of anything better than God? I'll give you a moment. Anything better than him? No. Well, Cohen, there's this car I really like. Yeah. There's this ring I've always wanted. You know, there's this watch. You know, there's this house on the beach. Those are all temporary. The best car, coolest one, will be in a junkyard in 200 years. The coolest house on the beach, blown away by the next hurricane. The coolest watch, going to be broken. It's gone. None of it lasts. It's all temporary. And if you chase after those things, you'll lose your soul, according to Jesus Christ. Nothing's better than God. That's their first sin. They forsook God, the fountain of living waters, and hewn out out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Here's some pictures of a cistern, in case you don't know what a cistern is. It's just something that holds water. that's That's what it means. But in the Middle East, they would have looked something like this, just something that was created in the ground, to just hold water. Now, they weren't very reliable. Look at that one. It's, it's empty. So is that one. Because they weren't super reliable, you had to maintain them all the time. God even says, yours that you hewed out, they're broken. And they hold no water. So that's the second sin. You tried to create something that would hold life-giving substance for you. Listen to this. In this region and in this day, water was a precious commodity. For us, we don't really, really think of it. This illustration doesn't hit home like it would for them. Because we turn a knob, we get water. All of you either this morning or last night, guess what? 
you had a shower or a bath, not only did water come out, warm water came out. It's just like magic. Well, hot water coming out of the wall. We're just used to it. I'm like, yeah, it's always been that way. Well, not for your, some of your grandparents or great-grandparents, right? Water from a river, heated up over a fire. You've seen Little House on the Prairie, right? How'd they have to get water? Remember how excited Caroline Ingalls was when Pa put the hand pump in the house? Remember that? Wow, we, we got, it just comes out. Water was a precious commodity, especially in the Middle East. And he's saying, think about this. They had a fountain, a spring. I, I have pictures of that as well, what that would have looked like. They have this fountain. Water just comes up out of the ground, a precious commodity that, that you normally have to hunt for, look for, and then put in something and carry it back to where you want it to be. They had it. I, the Lord their God, just blessed them with everything they could ever want. I even chose them out of all the nations on planet Earth, them. I gave them everything. And they said, yeah, that's awesome, but we want to do something ourselves. We want to make something for ourselves. We want to hew it out ourselves because we think we'll do better. We think our ideas are better, God. We've got this thing in the ground. It doesn't work that well. It's broken. It leaks constantly. But you know what? We think we're smarter than you. We think we know better. And we can look at them, can't we? We can say, you guys are some kind of fool. Wow. But how much more so are we, right? When we forsake the Lord, we run after things of the world, the things that tantalize our, our eyes and our senses, and we say, surely it's going to work. I really think that if I, yes, the Word of God says I shouldn't do it, but, <laughs> yeah, anytime you hear yourself thinking, I know what the Bible says, but you're deceived. The devil has his hooks in your mind and in your heart, and if you think you know better than God, you're joining the ranks of the fools. And I'll tell you that as one who escaped those ranks, okay? I'm telling you one as that from, I'm saying that as one who's been there and who knows what that's like. So I'm not standing up here saying, hey, you struggle with this? Boy, try to be more like me. No, I'm saying I know what that's like. And so I'm telling you, avoid that. Don't be like these people. God will send you a prophet too. If you're truly his, he'll discipline you and he'll bring you back. You know why? Because he's a good father. Show me someone who's receiving no discipline from God, even though he walks in his sins, and I'll show you someone who doesn't have God as his father, but the devil. The Bible says that either God's our father or the devil no one's neutral. We all have a father. And I, know, I, know the, I know the world wants to say, we're all God's children. No, we're not. Not according to the word of God. And I'm saying that as a loving warning. Read 1 John and read John itself. Both of those books 
And one of them, Jesus says, looks at a group of Jews and says, you're children of your father, the devil. And in 1 John, it says, if you're walking in darkness consistently, your father is the devil. These people were acting like they were of the wicked one. However, God loved them enough to send them someone to tell them the truth. And how you respond to someone who's telling you the truth in love shows a lot about your heart, shows a lot about where you really are, doesn't it? Proverbs, it says that a wise man receives correction, and it says a fool despises correction. Show me someone who hates it when they hear about what God says, and I'll show you someone who's not saved. These people committed these horrible sins because they had neglected God's word. That was really the source of it. And if you neglect the word of God, you'll forsake the Lord your God. If you neglect the word of God, you'll forsake the Lord your God. Just like the people of Israel did in the New Testament. Jesus Christ, and I'll end with this. Jesus Christ was walking among them. They could look him in the face. Granted, it was a veiled face. He didn't have all of his glory shining from it, like on the Mount of Transfiguration, which even that was just a taste. But how horrible, senseless, and foolish for men to have even seen the Lord Jesus and said these things about him. Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber. He's demon-possessed. He's a false prophet. And one of the worst of all, when they said, Release for us Barabbas, and away with this man. They were exchanging the fountain of living water for a cistern that held no water. And you and I will do the same thing if we stop saying, where's the Lord? If we stop saying, where's my Bible? Please, I beg you. Feed yourself rarely a steady diet of the word of God. You struggling with a certain sin? Okay, okay. Pour more fresh water into your mind. Get the poison out. Detox from the world, the flesh, and the lies of the devil. And how you do it is in the word of God. Say what they didn't say. They didn't say, where's the Lord? You say, where's the Lord? You say, where's my Bible? And do not create for yourself a false, broken cistern Go to the fountain of living waters. Otherwise, you commit a serious crime, just like they did. Father, we thank you for your word, and I pray that you would apply your eternal truths to our hearts. Thank you so much for the Lord Jesus. Lord, we will celebrate his resurrection next week. And Lord, what a glorious truth, and what a glorious day for your church. Lord, all around the world, where we remember the resurrected Christ again, Lord, you saved us only because of his work. And so now we pray that you will please help us to be like him, Lord, as we walk in this truth this week and always. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.